0: By Hasidim today, we say good yontav. Say good yontev, And actually, we say, in Hebrew we say, happy new year. Now, we know Rosh Hashanah was uh, celebrated a few months ago, uh, on the first day of Tishrei. Uh, and we know it's not a yontav in the context uh, of uh, you know the celebration of... Uh, Special uh, the prayers or not going to shul. It's a of nevertheless. Um, especially this week in Toronti, we always do it in, in the parsha of the week on Tuesday. On Tuesday, on the nineteenth day of Kislev, that was the day that the Alter Rebbe Shneir was freed from his imprisonment. In, uh, in Tsarist Russia. So that was like 200 plus. Uh, I know the Hebrew was Tovkuf Nun Tes. So um, today it's Pei um, Beis. So that would be uh, um, to 223 years ago. Yes, so, yeah, so about the year 1800. Yeah. So that, that, that's when this took place. And, um, but what, what what is interesting is that it was actually exactly, it came out on a Tuesday. So he says when he was reading, he was reading in the Psalms, in the Tehillim, he was reading the verse, Pada Bishalom nafshi Mikrovli. Uh That's in chapter 55. How come he was reading it then? Because the Tehillim, as you know, I think you know, is divided up by the days of the month. That's why we do it. So that there is 30 uh, chapters. Is that the rabbits in here? Yeah. I thought, how did she get on? I don't know because that. I have a little break from now to like 6.35. Oh, wow. Oh, I said... So, I lied to everybody. I said, You're not going to come and no, today. Didn't re- you know what? Okay, no, it doesn't matter. So, give us a supper break. great. So, um, welcome. So, what happened the way we say the Tehillim, we break up the Tehillim by the day of the month. So, each day there is a portion. So, you, study, you have the portion for day one, the portion for day two. If you do all the portion for every day, you cover the entire Tehillim once a month. And the power and special energy that is brought about from this saying, the Tehillim, in this schedule is Mm. enormous. The Rebbe writes and brings down that had people known what is accomplished by saying the Tehillim, the monthly daily Tehillim, the way it's divided by the month, they would make sure and take care to say it every single day. So that's one of the things that the previous Rebbe instituted, that they should do it actually in the shul in the morning after services to say the Yom Tehillim. That's the day of Tehillim. Okay, so that's the way it's divided by the day of the month. There's another way it's divided. It's also divided into five books. You know, just like the Chumash, the Torah, is divided, is divided into the five books. So there's also five books of the Tehillim. Sefer Rishon, Sefer Sheini, Sefer Shlishi, Sefer Revi, Sefer Hamishi. Some people who have more time will say a Sefer, you know, in of itself. Uh, you know, when you say the whole telem, maybe they'll say a whole safer, and then they'll start, they'll do five, and then they'll start over again. There's another way it's divided, also by the day of the, of the, of the, uh, of the week. It's also divided into seven. So on Sunday you say one, on Monday you say the other. So we have basically three different way it's split the entire book of Tehillim, either on 30 days, either on five books, or on seven days, so the seven days of the week. It's very interesting. The Alter Rebbe, when he was in prison, uh, he was doing the Tehillim by the day of the week because, I guess, he he needed special help and he uh, had time for this, so he said, not only the Yom, I mean, at that time it wasn't yet the Chitas, but he said the day. So it just so happened that he came across that verse, that verse is, Poda B'Sholom Nafshi. And what it really means is, uh, this was King David, he was praying, that, and he said that God, not only did God protect him and free him, but he did it in a very peaceful way. Pada Shalom nafshi. He did it in a very peaceful way. Um, and the Rebbe explains, I mean, we, the, the commentators explain that even the people that were with Shaul... Shaul was envious of David, and he thought that David was going to take over his kingdom. He actually married his daughter. He was his son-in-law. <laughs> and he rewarded him, he gave him his daughter... Because it was David that killed Goliath. And he said, whoever would kill Goliath will get Michal. That was his daughter for a wife. And he was able to do it. And he rewarded him. But then later on, he got envious. And he was trying to kill David. We read the whole Tanakh about it. But the interesting thing is that uh, the people that went with Shaul, they were actually pleading... And they were praying to Hashem that David should be successful. They realized, even though they have, they were on the other side, but they were really together with David. The Rebbe brings this out in his own way. The Rebbe brings it out that even the people that officially were, I guess, opponents or against him, what, what happened was, just to briefly go over, what happened was, uh, the Alter Rebbe followed the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid of Mizritch. And the Baal Shem Tov gave a little bit of a different flavor. It wasn't any new laws. It wasn't any change. It's still authentic. Everything remained the same. But it gave it an inspiration. It gave it a... Uh, I'm sorry? It gave it something to people that need it. Like people ask, how do people manage Tilda Bal Shem Tov without Hasidus? But it's the same. Hashem makes everything in the right time when it's necessary. So, you know, we have various different medicines. Now we have, I don't want to get into politics, but we have this vaccination over here. So we didn't have the vaccination, but once we got a pandemic, so we're looking for cure, so it wasn't before. So on a spiritual level... In the time of the Bar Shem Tov, there was a big pandemic. There was a spiritual pandemic. And the pandemic was that a lot of Jewish people were leaving their religion. And um, it was a difficult time for them, both spiritually and um, physically, financially, you know, in all kinds of ways. They had a lot of trouble. So a lot of them left the, the Bar Shem Tov and the Magid. And then later on, the Alter Rebbe inspired the people. But some of the students of the Magid, they couldn't take the, the troubles that the, their own brothers and sisters, they were giving them a lot of trouble. We called them Misnagdim, the opponents. They didn't like the Hasidim. And like I said, you know, maybe, you know, you can't you can blame them. You know, imagine somebody will come today and tell you, oh, I have a new way. I want to teach something new. We would say, "What are you talking about?" We go with what we have. You know, nobody is gonna come up. So, if somebody tried to come up with something new, I mean, the community would not accept it. Nobody would accept that. But it's not a wonder. So, but at that time, this was something new. So people objected to it. So they, so they came to misnagdim and the Alter Rebbe was very successful. He was a great organizer. He was a, a genius scholar. He, he, he was respected. And he was able... It says that one time he came to an enclave of the misnagdim He came up to the... Uh, on the bima. He went up to the bima. It was a full shul. And he gave a bang of the table. He used to speak in a sing-song. He said, Ta muru kitoi v'ashem. Taste and you will see that Hashem is good. Basically, he was telling them, taste it, taste and take along that inspiration of the Hasidists and you'll see that it's good. What happened after that? He had tens and tens of the Misnagdim running after him, trying to become inspired by the teachings. So when they saw that the Alter Rebbe's success, and and the Alter Rebbe, which I want to talk a little bit about today, The Alter Rebbe was looking for peace. He didn't want to fight. And the Alter Rebbe tried very hard to try to convince them that we're not doing anything against Halakha. We're not doing anything. And the people that were responsible, responsible people, they were trying to set up a meeting between the Alter Rebbe and the Vilna Goen, who was the head of the other side, to try to work it out. And the Alter Rebbe wanted to prove to them that, God forbid, we're not changing in their religion. We are actually very careful. The Alter Rebbe tried he, <clears throat> several times, but it was not meant to be. Even the uh, the version of the Mesnachim is that the, the, the girl sort of went out of a back door, went out of the window. He, he was cornered. The Alter Rebbe came there. And he would not come back to the city until the Alter Rebbe left. So he didn't, it wasn't meant to be. The Alter Rebbe tried very hard, but you know, a lot of the rebbe's the students of the Magid, they couldn't take any more old the and all the uh, persecution from the, and they and they left. They left to Israel, and this was actually one of the things that got the Alter Rebbe into trouble because Alter Rebbe made it his duty to support the people that left Israel mm. he made it there and he collected a lot of money mm. and the fact that the Israel the uh, Israel was under the uh, Turkish uh, government that Ottoman. the Ottoman Empire so it was sort of uh, at odds with the Tsar. so mm. they misconstrued this that the Rebi is uh, trying to plot to overthrow the government was another thing also, they used some Hasidic teaching. The alt teaching was that malchut, you have this shfirot, so you have chesed, gvurat, v'til malchut. The Alt-Rebbe taught from the Kabbalah that malchut is actually, doesn't have anything of its own. Malchut is like the moon. Even though we see the moon shines and we see the light of the moon, but it all the light of the moon it gets from the sun. And the moon is merely taking the light of the sun and and that's what we see. So the Al-Rebi explained in the Kabbalah that the Svirat Malchut, the lowest Svira, doesn't have anything of its own. Everything that it gets is from the higher Sefirot, from the Chesed, Gavur, Tiferet. And they all come down to the level of Malchut. But... They misconstrued this. They misinterpreted it. Al-Tarebi is Malchus is nothing. He doesn't have anything. That means that the Al-Tarebi is sort of a rebelling going against the government, telling them that the government is nothing. So they, they succeeded in... Uh, they arrested the Al-Tarebi. They put him into this black carriage which was reserved for the worst of the criminals. And, you know, miraculously, there was a lot of miracle stories. I'm not going to go through the whole the whole story over there, but there was a lot of miracle stories. In the end, they realized that not only did they free the Altar Rebbe, they gained the greatest respect for the Altar Rebbe, the, great, the greatest respect. They were all convinced. There was many, many stories of the Rebbe's holiness that they were able to see. The carriage stopped when the Rebbe didn't want to go on Shabbos. The boat stopped when the Rebbe wanted to do Kiddush Lavona. Many, many stories. One of the stories just worth repeating is uh, one of the uh, people that were uh, investigating the Alter Rebbe asked the Alter Rebbe, he says, you know, I have a question on the Bible. Uh, Is it okay? Would you answer me? This has nothing to do with the Alter Rebbe being arrested. He has a question on the Bible. So the Alter Rebbe says, if you tell me that you believe that the Bible... Is, is godly, is uh, saintly, it's holy, then I'll answer you. So he says, yes, I believe. I believe in God, and I believe that God is the one that gave the, the, the Bible. But I have a question. The Dr. rebbe says, ask you a question.
1: So he says, it says in the
0: right in the beginning, it says that when, uh, after Cain killed his brother Abel, uh, so then he heard the garden came in, Hashem was, came down, and... Hashem starts a conversation with, uh, with Kai and he says, Where's your brother Abel? Where is Abel? And he answers him, I don't know. Uh, I'm not my brother's keeper. You know, I don't know where he is. So he asks the um, Alta Rebbe, If God knows everything, why did, have to, why did God have to ask him, Where are you? Uh, what did I have to ask you? Where are you? Doesn't he know? Uh, uh, doesn't he know? Uh, w- uh, where is Hevel? You know, know, what he, know, where are you? And then he asks him, where is Hevel?" Didn't Hashem know? So he says, when Hashem asks him, where are you? He says, Rashi says he didn't want to scare him, so he started off the conversation. He says, I know, right. I'm looking for a better answer. And the Rebbe says, Ayekah, where are you? It's not a literal, it's figuratively. Where are you there is a question where do you stand where in the world ayeka where are you what have you done with your life what have you done with all the years that you've gotten that hashem has ga- given you have you done what you were supposed to did you really accomplish everything that you need where do you stand ayeka means where do you stand and the rabbi says i'll give you an example there is a person that lived in this world for <clears throat> 35 years or 45 years. The Alter Rebbe used the number, the number is not there, but the, the Rebbe used the number was the exact age of that person that was investigating the Rebbe. So he says, you lived for 45 years. What did you do with your life? And the guy was so overwhelmed that he said, bravo. He was so... <laughs> It was so, the altar Rebbe was able, he didn't tell him his age, the altar Rebbe was able to guess his age, so he was like in awe of the Alter Rebbe, and so on and so forth, a lot of stories. So not only did they free the Alter Rebbe, but they actually saw the holiness, the special uh, greatness, and the wisdom, and the intellect, and there's, you know, they, they, they asked the Rebbe, he answered them the question, he gave it in writing, and then they try to forge it. The Miznagdim got a hold of the interpreter. It's a long, long story. But the bottom line is, after all this, what is the first thing that the Alter Rebbe did? The Rebbe makes a point of this. The first thing the Alter Rebbe says, He writes a letter. The letter is published in Tanya. He says, I've been diminished by all the kindness. He basically uses, paraphrases the verse that J- Jacob, we learned last week, that, right. Jacob, uh, that Jacob said yeah. after, he says, "I've Hashem's kindness. And we, we had a little discussion about that also last week, about, you know, one should always recognize and see and say thank you to Hashem for everything that He's done for you. While we want more and better, and easier, but still, we always have to come from a place in which we don't consider ourselves that we're deserving, that we demand. We say, me and therefore, what is the alt Rebbe says? The Alter Rebbe says, Hashem has brought me close. And the truth of the matter is that if you're close to Hashem, you become humble. The closer you are to, in the presence of God, you are a non entity because. What am I in the presence of God? The only time we feel ourselves as an entity or we feel ourselves of a uh, successful, is in the presence of human beings, but in the presence of God, which all this, you know, a person is not going to brag when he's standing uh, next to uh, Bezos and saying, "Oh, I have10,000 dollars, you know what I mean He's talking about guys who have billions of dollars. I mean, what? This is nothing, you know. Oh my, you know how much savings I have. You won't brag about it. Why? Because, relative to the people that have real money, that's not considered anything big. Same thing is with your wisdom. You know, maybe in in amongst you know your peers, you know you feel, oh, I'm so wise, I know so much Torah, or I'm so uh, wisdom. But when you come in the presence of great, real great people. You don't know, feel yourself that you're so special because there are so many people that are you know much more brilliant and greater. So when you're in the presence of Hashem, which is up to you because you can either you're always in the presence of Hashem, but to be in the presence of Hashem means to feel that you're in the presence of Hashem. So when you're in the presence of Hashem, then you're humble. And Rebbe says the Alter Rebbe therefore says. When God does you a favor, does you a kindness, that means that you're in His presence. He cares about you. He reached out to you. He brought you in. He hugged you. He brought you closer. So that's a time in which you are in God's presence. So in God's presence, you need to be more humble. As humble as you are, we always need to be humble. But (laughs) you become diminished when the kindness of Hashem reaches you and He does good to you. It is just the opposite of the other side of holiness, the klippa. The other side of holiness, like Asaf, he says, Yesh The more they get, the arrogant they, more arrogant they become, the more holy they become, the more selfish they become. They become more into themselves. But the Torah way is if a person gets success from Hashem, What it does to them, it makes them actually more humble, not more They become more... And the Alter Rebbe says, therefore, the Alter Rebbe says, I forbid anybody to give back, to retaliate, or to answer, to do anything against them, and knock them against the opponent. Notwithstanding all the troubles... They arrested him. He could have been, God forbid, he could have been condemned to death, God forbid. He was uh, so, uh, they slandered him so terribly. And yet he says, don't give back. You're not. He says, learn from Yosef and his brothers. Learn from Yosef and his brothers. The brothers did a terrible thing. We're reading in the Parsha today, in Vayeshev. And the surprising thing, there were, Ten of them, all ten of them. Isn't there one of all of these ten brothers that should say, "Hey, how could we do this to our brother?" Nobody stood up for him, and they sold him. Didn't Reuben, have... Well, any... he wanted it later on to take him. Yeah, okay, but they were all they were all part of this uh, of this plan. He had second thoughts and he wanted to take him, but that was. Uh, and then and Yehuda actually saved his life by by selling him instead of killing him. But you know, but the bottom line is Yosef did not harbor in the end any anger. Not only that, he says, It is not you that sent me over here, God sent me over here. So what listen, as Rashi says there. I mean, if you try to do bad to me and you couldn't, do you think that I can do bad to you? If that's not meant to be, I can't do anything to you, so don't worry about it. Hashem sent me here actually for your protection. So basically, the Alter Rebbe used that same logic and that same expression. It's hard to fathom, you know, what it really means, how far hatred can get people. You have to understand that people who feel threatened... They felt that Yiddishkeit was threatened, their way was threatened, whatever it was. They used all kinds of means. They were really, to the extent, they wouldn't stop even from killing the Hasidim. I know that sounds a little bit outrageous. That sounds like far-fetched, but that's true. Some Hasidim were actually killed. But yet the Rebbe says no. And the Rebbe ties this into Tuesday. Because you know, when Hashem created the world... On Sunday, it says Hashem Sor, and he said Kitov. It's good. On Monday, it doesn't say Kitov. But on Tuesday, it says two times Kitov. One for Monday and one for Tuesday. Tuesday is considered a special day. Two times Kitov. What is the two times Kitov? One is good for Hashem and the other one is good for the people. Kitov, good for the people. This is what Tuesday, especially when the celebration, and there was another interesting story, and that's why, even though today is already, tonight is the 20th, the celebration goes, spans for two days. For Tuesday and Wednesday, 19 and 20. Why 19 and 20? Interesting story that happened when the Altarebbe was finally released from prison, so a carriage was taking him from prison to the house of the Chassid. And the Chassidim all gathered. Not many people were allowed to be in Petersburg. Petersburg, you needed to have a special visa, special permission to be in the capital. Jewish people were not allowed to live there. So there was a uh, limited amount of people that lived and were in Petersburg. But these people that were in Petersburg, and they heard and they found out that the Alter Rebbe is going to be released, they came to the Chassid's house, and they all were waiting for the Rebbe to come. And they waited and waited and waited. And then they finally realized that there was a terrible mistake. The Alter Rebbe was dropped off, so he walked in, but the problem is, he walked into the first house, the lower, there was two floors, Instead of going to the upstairs floor for the chasidim, he went to the lower floor. In that floor happened to live a misnaget. <laughs> One of the opponents was living in that bottom house. Alt Rebbe walks in. He was started to berate the Alter Rebbe. Apparently, he was a misnaget who knew a little bit. And as you know, the Alter Rebbe changed some of the Language of the prayer, and he was screaming at the Alter Rebbe. Why did you have to change this? This isn't good for you. Why did you do this, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. He kept on going on and on. Alter Rebbe later on said that the three hours that he spent in the house of the Misnagid was, in a way, more difficult than the entire fifty-three days that he spent in jail. <laughs> because, I mean, at least over there they treated him with respect. Over here, that's what I'm saying. Over there, the guy was disrespectful. So once the Hasidim from upstairs heard what's going on, they quickly came down and started banging on the door. And they were going to break down the door. So the, the Snaggy lets them in. He says, Rebbe, come on, let's go. Why are you sitting here? But in the meantime, the person had already boiled up some hot water for tea, for the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, no, no, no. We're going to wait in the honor of the host we'll drink the tea and after that we'll go upstairs and we'll celebrate and the Rebbe said it. the Rebbe brings out the unbelievable level of love and fairness of the Alter Rebbe He's sitting in the Miznaget, run away, no, no, no he prepared the tea, we're going to have to stay there but from this Mesnagid, we actually have an extra day yonte. that's why because in the meantime the day turned from the 19th to the 20th so it turned out that when it was actually finally freed it was already the 20th so the Hasidim therefore make it their business to celebrate both days the 19th and the 20th and that's why we have the, the, the um, both of the celebrations this is the humanity and the message that the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe tells us all. Even if we have opponents sometimes, even if we have people we disagree with, even if we have people that cause us harm, people that are not nice to us, people who talk bad to us, still, the way to diffuse situation is not to retaliate, not to give back, but rather to give back with kindness, you know, to give back with goodness. And as Dr. Rebbe says in that letter, maybe if we keep on doing nice to them and being good, maybe they will get that spirit of goodness in their heart that they will respond in kind, in a way of kindness. Don't give back, that's that's such an important lesson to us, you know, that we get many times very hurt. We get insulted where it's very sensitive sometimes to situations which cause us later on to that. But we have to remember that these are very important life lessons to be able to overcome. And then eventually you see that things straighten out. I always say time does wonders. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, how is this going to work? What's going to happen no, but give it a little bit of time. Especially in New England, they say, "Wait a minute, you know the weather will get better." <laughs> you know, Rabbi. Yes. As you're as you're talking, it reminds me. My dad used to say, yeah. if "I, you know, was crying that someone was teasing me, or, or I felt someone was doing something that nice." He'd say, "Kill them with kindness." And from what you just described, now I understand. It's kill their bad behavior by doing kindness to them. Yeah, absolutely. Make that the stronger of the yeah. two emotions. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Father was right. Good advice. It's kind of hard to implement it sometimes when we're at the moment. So that's why it's always important to take a step, step back and, you know, and then you see, you deal with it as when you come, you know, you deal with it, with the world. That's that's, that's real. Okay, let's do a little bit of the Parsha. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also can see uh, in the Parsha today we're doing Vayeshev. I just want to quote a little bit from the first and the second sikhah. So what does the, the verse start in the very beginning? It says, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megure Oviv Be'eretz Um I apologize, Naomi, that I put out 6.30 today. I hope it didn't confuse you. And Naomi's on. But, uh, is she on? Yeah, I'm on. Thank you. I went on the other... You sent two links. So I've been on the other link. And was... nobody was there. So I tried this link. Okay. So, apologize. Google
1: link. Yeah, apologize. Google, you know. We'll
0: try to get the same link going uh, next week in, the, in a timely way. But um, the... Um, okay, so we, could, we just... We talked a little bit about the lesson from Yutas Kislev about the story about the Alter Rebbe. We're going to go now to the Parsha that we're learning. So the very first verse of the Parsha says, Yaakov Yaakov settled in the lands where his father lived, in the land of Canaan. You see, Isaac, his father, stayed in the land of Canaan the whole time. But Yaakov was forced to leave because of all of the uh, the problem with his brother Esau because he took away the bracha, so he had to leave. And then Yaakov had all these different troubles that he was 20 years with his uncle Lovan And then he had the story with Esau, And then he had this story with his daughter Dina. He kept on getting a lot of problems. So finally, after all this, Yaakov settles in Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan. And here we start talking about all the story, what happened with Yaakov and Yosef and all the details. So Rashi says to you over here, In the previous Parsha, it keeps on talking about all of Aesop's, the kings, the Alufim, the. the, It goes through a lot, a lot, a lot. There's like two full Parsha sections. Shishi and Shvi of the portion of Ayishlach talk about, and over there, but they come one after the other. So Rashi says over here that those. uh, stories are just mentioned very shortly, very briefly. Tells you this one was a king, the next one was a king, the next one. It doesn't get into the details again and get into the story because they're not important. That's not important to us. The important is the Torah doesn't tell you because technically, asaf went and kicked out the Choydi from there. How they did it doesn't tell you. But when it comes to Yaakov, over here we tell you a long story. Because Yaakov and his children are important before Hashem. That's the, that's the main storyline what we want to talk about. And Rashi gives another example. Rashi says, you see, between Adam and Noah, there were ten generations. But again, the Apostlech tells them one to clear that. This one begot this one, this one begot this one, the father son by Noach, the Torah starts, tells us the whole story with Noach, with the flood, the whole story of Noach. Same thing is from Noach to Avram. Ten generations, goes through real quick, by Avram. he goes and tells you all the story of Avram. So Rashi says like this, I'll give you a, an allusion to it, an example to it. A person was looking, he, he dropped the pearl, he dropped the pearl in the in the sand. So, can't find it. It's covered. So what does a person do? So a person starts to feel and then he takes a sift and start to sift through the sand so he can find the pearl. He finds the pearl and then when he finds the pearl, he throws away the pebbles and he takes the pearls. He gets rid of the rest and he uh, and it takes the it takes the pebbles, it takes the the uh, the pearls. So the Rebbe says, so Rashi says, that's why we're not gonna talk long about Yaakov is like the pearls. Esav is, and his family is like the sand. The only reason we get to Esau, to the story with Esav is because we're talking about Esau, then we come to Yaakov. Yaakov is the pearl. It's all about Yaakov. But Rebbe has a very interesting point over here. He says, well, to get to Noah, we have to tell you, how do we get to Noah? Adam. We have to tell you Adam. We have to go through all the generations. Otherwise, where did Noah come from? To get to Avram, we have to start with Noah, go through all the generations. So we understand. Well, why do we have to talk about Esau to get to Yaakov? Yaakov was the son of Isaac, so we can just talk about Jacob. Why do we need to talk about? Why do we need to talk about Asav? Asav? Yaakov has a, has a lineage. We don't need to talk about. It. But the, the Rambam explains that the settling of Yaakov over here. Uh, and the storyline is not only about the settlement in Israel, but we're talking about to come to the times of Mashiach. Basically, on a spiritual level, while we're in exile, while we are dealing with all the modern-day Esau, you know, with the different kinds of... These are all for a purpose that we find the good. In the Kabbalah, it talks about the sparks, the holy sparks that fell into this world. When we look around the world, we see a, mix, a, mix, a mixed bag of all kinds of problems and we see all kinds of ideas. We don't see... It's not obvious that Hashem is the Creator, people deny that, people uh, question that. This is here, the confusion is here for a yid, for our service to unconfuse confuse it, to sort things out. Find the spark, you know, find the spark of goodness in everything in every matter, whether it's the food that we eat, whether it's the people that we associate with, whether it is whatever we do, we always go and we find the good, we find that good holy spark, that special godliness and sometimes you have to work hard to find it because it's covered with little, with sand and with pebbles and you gotta and really says there is negativity. That's also, you know, bad mood, a bad feeling, depression, feeling melancholy, feeling giving up, not being hopeful, not being uh, cheerful. All those things that bring a person down, they're like the pebbles and they're like the sand. But there is also a difference between, the Rebbe says, between pebbles and sand. Sand cover up. But they're not negative. They're not negative in the sense they don't allow, them, but when you remove them, pebbles are also considered as, they damage. They, there's certain negativities within ourselves, within the world. Certain negativities, some things we can sort of uncover. We can find the pearl, we can find that spark, we can find that godliness, we can find that holiness. Yes, it's covered by the sand, but there is still that ability to go ahead and find that special spark, that godliness which is in everything in the world. But there is a further degree, sometimes... There is items. They're pebbles. Pebbles are things that cannot change around. So them, you have to throw away. You have to get rid of them.
1: In other words,
0: in our own emotions, there are certain emotions in ourselves. This is one aspect that we can sort of change ourselves around. We can, uh, you know, help ourselves. But then there is certain addictions, or there are certain things that are negative. And total negative, those are not something that you can just work with and turn them around. Over there, they are like pebbles that you got to get rid of. This is why the Torah tells us the whole story over here. To tell us, Rebbe goes into, of course, much more length, to tell us that Yaakov was dealing with, with all of these, his own experiences with his brothers and his uncles and his daughter, he had it. He had he had to deal with a lot of different things, you know, with uh, with family and with uh, neighbors, with uh, Goyim, with people that that wanted to destroy him. So that was all there, also for us to prepare ourselves that we should be able to go through all of our challenges, our experiences and stay stronger like Yaakov we know that he came in showing he was whole and nothing escaped him at the end okay we'll do quickly a little bit of the next talk of the Rebbe which is basically actually the next uh the next part of the the next part of the um Pusuk so we hear Rashi gives down another interpretation of a very interesting after Yaakov had all this trouble, what does it mean by Yeshiv? He settled. Yaakov said, Genug, enough. Hashem, enough. I want some peace now. I'm retired. I don't want to deal no more with no problems comes and he says, I've suffered enough, I have went through enough I want to be peace now I want to enjoy my golden years, I don't want to have to deal with anything, I just want to be able to sit in peace Vayeshev what happens? boom, Yosef the brothers take Yosef and they sell him and he has Tzoros again Rashi quotes, Hashem says, you righteous one, you want to live in peace and tranquility? Hashem says, isn't it sufficient what you have coming in the world to come? But you want this world to be peaceful for you? No. What did really Yaakov want? We know Like we said before, Ayeko, every day we're here in this world is a purpose, there's a reason. We have to, where are we? Where do we stand? Why are we here? So, really it's important for everybody to know every day why are we here? And we have to accomplish every day. So, Yaakov sort of said, okay, I'm ready for retirement. You know, it's... uh, it's amazing to see how our Rebbe, until the age, until, unfortunately, he suffered a stroke, till 92 years old, never took a day off, never took a day a day vacation, you know, it was all the time. So what is it, Yaakov? Yaakov, who was, of all the three forefathers, he was the cho- chosen one, he was... The middle one, he was Tiferes. He was the beautiful. From all the others, he wanted to just relax, to uh, have a good time. Wanted to go traveling and see the world, uh, go on a uh, cruise and uh, and have some, you know, good times. No. The Rebbe explains this. That, you know, when you have peace and the relaxation then you're able to do mitzvahs in a better way we know that the everybody's asking Mashiach what do they want Mashiach for what is Mashiach going to do for you of course ultimately but the Rambam says that the people wanted Mashiach so much because the world is going to be in peace all the needs of people are going to be met. So we're going to have time to sit and learn Torah and do mitzvahs. We don't have to worry about anything. So, the Rebbe explains, Yaakov wanted to sit in peace. It's not a peace in the context of retirement, of not doing any work, not being involved in the work of Hashem, but he wanted that tranquility And also, what the mitzvahs they bring about, when you do a mitzvah and you sort it out, you actually bring peace in the world, and you bring peace in all of Hashem's creation. So what he really wanted, he was seeking to have that accomplishment so that he can sort of reach the ultimate goal of this. Now you see... At that point, they weren't ready yet. It it gives us a little bit of an understanding, not that it helps that much, but why are we struggling? Why did the Jews have to go through Egypt? Why do we have to go through such a long exile? There is corrections and fixing and the sparks that we need to do, which only Hashem knows the work that has to be done in preparation of that. Yaakov at that time was not ready yet to reach the level of the reward of the mitzvah which would mean to accomplish like when Mashiach will come over there he wanted to so that the fruit of his labor should be recognized and he brought peace in the world so there will be peace wasn't ready yet at that point still that needed to wait until afterwards, because as we do read later on in the portion of Ayichi, that the best years of Yaakov was in the land of Egypt. Vayichi Yaakov, he lived for 17 years, those were the 17 years, the Gematria Tov, that he lived in Eretz uh, Mitzrayim. At that point, he actually was able to accomplish his goals, and he was able to live the rest of his life in a way of peace and success and in which he uh, accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish. So, today, with our special day of Yotes and Hof Kislev, I just want to mention, the Rebbe would always say to people that it's a New Year, so it's a good time for resolutions. People make resolutions. So first and foremost are the classes that one should really try and do, which we talked about, the Tehillim. Also the Tanya, that's the Hasidic Torah Sheviksav. That's the main basic work of the Hasidic, of Hasidus Chabad. The Tanya has been divided up by the year and there is the way it's divided by a leap year, which has an extra month, and the way it's divided by regular year. So now is a good time to jump on the bandwagon. From the 19th day of Kislev, it starts the new cycle. It starts with the introduction, and it goes through the entire book until the 18th of Kislev in the next year. So one has an opportunity to go through the entire Tanya and for a leap year. Then you have the Tehillim we talked about before, and then you have the portion of the Chumash. We learn a small piece on Tuesday, but every day to keep up with the reading of the portion and the Rashi over there, and to um, study some of the other, the Maimonides, the Sefer HaMitzvahs, or the other tract, uh, the way the Rebbe has established it. But uh, the main thing is to feel that special spirit that the is, that the Baal Shem Tov, and the, the chokhma Bin Adaz, the wisdom that the Rebbe brought this all into our lives. And to utilize and make sure that we stay strong and anticipate in the last moments of exile the coming... A Masiacht in Kenu the Mahirvi Amain.